Welcome from Porch Confessional, your weekly Google podcast. My name is Jeff Goki, and I am so happy that you have tuned in today. Welcome to episode 284, and welcome back to my front porch. Uh, I don't usually record in the morning, but the, you know, this morning I'm going to go ahead and do that. It's been a, a pretty busy week, but last night was so awesome. So check this out. Last Friday, uh, my son's girlfriend, Maisie, uh, made us dinner. So they, they both got apartments, which is pretty cool. They're like growing up, which is weird weird to see. So he's been dating her for about two years, but she wanted to invite us over and cook us all dinner, our whole family dinner at her new apartment and, you know, kind of do a celebration or whatever. And it was awesome. We had such a good time. We watched the sons just absolutely get obliterated. That was no fun, Uh, but it was such an awesome time. And then my son was like, Hey, I need you guys, or I want you guys to come over uh, this week. And I want to make you dinner too. So last night we go over to my son's apartment and he makes us dinner, and we ended up watching the sun ga- Suns game, and, and I just couldn't help but be overwhelmed by by joy. You know, I, I think a part of it is, one, watching watching Ben grow up, and also Maisie, but watching them grow up, watching them mature, you know, he's got a full-time job, he's got his own apartment, he's making me dinner, you know, it's like so awesome. Like, so I'm enjoying this season of life, I mean, Ben's 21 Uh, He'll be 22 in the fall, but just realizing like, wow, you know, all that work, all that sacrifice, you know, as, as the kids are young and you're like, what is happening? You know, you start to see some of these things start manifesting in really beautiful ways. And and it's been cool to, and not that Ben's perfect or he's got it all figured out or Maisie um, or any of our kids, but it's really cool to have these moments where you just see these like the families together, like for us, the families together. And, and we're just so grateful for that. And, you know, we're still doing family kind of stuff, even though they're getting older and things are changing and that's weird. I know that's been hard for my wife and, you know, that's been weird, but, but ultimately like just, just really thankful, really grateful that, um, my kids are around us, that we're having fun together and that they're making me dinner. How awesome is that? Like, man, I, I, I looked at Patty. I was like, we did a good job. We did a good job. Our kids are making us dinner and inviting us over to their apartments. That's so awesome. So anyway, hey, look, and I know for some of you, you know, again, like we talked about last podcast on one side, it's like, wow, celebrate. And I'm definitely celebrating. But on the other side, I also know for some of you, you're estranged from your, you're estranged from your, your children and, and it's really difficult and what you had thought your hopes and dreams didn't produce. And, and I just want, you to know, like I feel that uh, I'm sorry um, and so uh, we also, we celebrate and we lament together. And so I hope you can celebrate with me. I'll lament with you. And ultimately we're called to kind of do this life together, uh, uh, for the glory of God. So getting after that, trying to do that to the best of our ability, but that's some cool stuff that's going on in my life. Um, Hey, just want to say thanks Uh, again, every podcast. Just thank you so much for listening. I love it. Love that there's a group of people who just commit to listening and and growing and figuring this thing out together. So a lot of fun. And uh, I mean, the fact that we're at 284 podcasts is pretty cool. So I just really, really appreciate each and every one of you who listen and those of you who contribute monthly um, and through one-time gifts. Thank you so much. It really does help a ton. It helps me to be able to cover the costs and things like that that I, I, I need to do in order to keep this thing going. So thank you so much. Really, really appreciate it. Okay, our passage for today, 1 Peter 5.10. 1 Peter 5.10. 
And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Now read again, 1 Peter 5.10. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and and establish you. So I've been doing some work around the house and uh, we, you know, we, our house is built in 1949, which basically I'm learning. Okay. Basically means everything's going to take longer. Everything's going to cost more. And uh, I mean, it really, truly you are to make this place kind of be beautiful and updated. It like, it takes an immense amount of work. So anyway, we, we got the house repainted and did the trim, uh, but we have like a carport that's a kind of a Phoenix, you know, kind of thing with these kind of older homes. So anyway, we, we have a carport that really needed the wood all ripped off and redone. So I'm like, I'll just do that. I'm not going to contract that out. I'll, I'll do that, paint that, do that. And as I'm doing that to eat, I think it was two days ago. I was using a sawzall, which is kind of a upright saw with a blade that kind of, I mean, at least how I'm using it is to cut the nails behind the plywood so it peels off. And as I was doing it, the, the sawzall kicked back and my finger got jammed between the, the little actuator that goes up and down and it smashed my finger and blood's all over the place. And I mean, I'm like on standing on a ladder, like screaming, like, oh my gosh, it hurts so bad. So anyway, I wrap it up and I'm used to being hurt, especially when I work. I work a little fast. You know, most people are like, slow down a little bit, <laughs> but I work a little fast. So, so I, I'm used to being hurt when I do construction, but you know, I, I was laying in bed and my, and my finger was throbbing. Like I could feel my heartbeat. You probably had this. Maybe if you've hit your finger with a hammer or slammed it in a door, like it was throbbing. Like my heartbeat was in my finger all night long. I just didn't sleep because my finger was throbbing. I couldn't get the pain uh, to stop. And, you know, I woke up that morning and I, I, I just had this thought of like, I would do anything to make this pain go away. You know, and when I was in construction back in the day, we used to drill into the nail to, to release the pressure. And I was like, I don't want to do that. Um, I'm not young anymore. Uh, but that's what we, I would do anything to relieve this pain. And I started thinking about all my friends. I have friends uh, who are in chronic pain. They're just in chronic suffering. I have a friend right now who's in just, you know, deep pain. And she's having to, you know, go to the hospital and, and get and get chemo. And, and I hate it. I hate what she's had to been through and and what she's going through. And I started thinking about all the people who are suffering around me and have to deal with this. And here I am just like, man, my nail hurts. And here they are living in reality of this. And it was just this interesting moment of going like, wow, this is so hard. And I think this is what Peter is trying to help us walk through. He's going like, it's hard, right? And you know what is so interesting, you know, is I in the West, particularly in the West, uh, we have brought, we've been kind of brought up into this lie. We've been brought up into a lie. And the lie is that we have been sold this American dream where pain doesn't exist. In fact, if pain exists, we're, we're, we're going like, I must, have, I must have done something wrong. You know, seriously, as a result of the Enlightenment, you know, this uh, this philosophical way, uh, reality that, that we've shaped, uh, this kind of utopian society where there is no pain. That was the whole idea behind this thing. We can become gods and we can make, we can eradicate pain and suffering and we can have the good life. But that's not 
happening for so many people. And and I think what people assume is that bit pain will just eventually like we can somehow evade the pain. And in fact, um, what 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 I have found is I've traveled around the world is that they they just assume su- a suffering. It's so opposite than it is here in the West. They kind of assume it. In fact, they live alongside of it. They're not trying to run away from it. It's just a part of their life. They've learned to live with it, right? But what's interesting about them, as I've walked with Christian, uh, you know, uh, people from other uh, other cultures around the world, is that they don't deny God. They don't deny God. They don't deny suffering. They don't deny God. They, but rather, they they depend upon him and where they've really come to to land is they that they need him like i need him he helps me he's with me in my pain in my hurt in my confusion he's with me and it's why for so many westerners as we go and visit those cultures what we find is contentment we find peace and and we actually we find joy and we're like I don't know what to do with this. I don't know what to do with that reality. And, and uh, what, what's so cool and why I love this passage is that the passage actually assumes suffering. It actually assumes suffering. I mean, Pastor Peter just assumes that you are going to suffer. And he doesn't even make excuses for it, right? He doesn't make excuses. He doesn't even say, I'm sorry. He just basically says, we need to do it well, and we can do it well. But here's the thing he also helps us understand. You cannot do this on your own. You cannot do it on your own. You are not strong enough. You know, it, I, I, as I was thinking about this passage, I, I couldn't help but think that this passage in John where, where Jesus gives us two promises. And the, and the two promises are this, is that you will suffer. And, and the second one is, is that, that, that he has overcome the world. Both of those things. He's given us two promises. One, you will suffer. Two, that, that he has overcome the world. And as a result of that, that can change your world. You know, we tend to only want the glory. We tend to only want the first, the, the second part. Like, I want to overcome. I want to overcome. Uh, I only want the good. I only want the easy. But Peter says, look to Jesus. Like, look to Jesus. He suffered and he overcame. And we are called to do the same. And that's why Peter talks about Christ himself. Think about this. Think about this. Christ himself will restore, confirm, strengthen and establish you he'll do the work because he's been there and he knows christ himself will do that work he didn't stop doing work for in our lives because he died resurrected and ascended into heaven no he he's doing that work and and so i i know this for a fact that my pragmatic friends out there, like I have so many pragmatic people I meet with, pragmatic friends who are like, that's awesome. That's really cool meta stuff, okay? Like that's really cool, yes, and amen. But uh, they want to go, how? Like how does that work? What does that look like? What does that mean? And I would say like great question, right? Great, great question. And for most people, I think they really – uh, dive into the eschatological solution, which is like this future solution. And, but there's also, I believe, a current solution as well in the midst of your hurt and your pain. 
And I think most people, and I think churches tend to just teach the eschatological reality, the eschatological truth, the eschatological solution, right? Yes, yes, yes. He's going to wipe every tear away. There will be no pain in, ha- in heaven. Like, and we can all celebrate that and all believe that. And we would just go, yes, yes, you know, and thank you for that. But, but how does that truth and how does that hope impact us today? That's the that's the real truth. That's the real thing. Like, yes, we can have this truth and yet, and believe it. And yes, we can have this hope of this of this future truth that Jesus has given to us, or, or the, this future truth that Scripture gives to us. But how but how does that impact today? And it should. I should find some rest in that, some hope in that, and live in light of that. But, you know, I think for most of you, you're going, okay, that's, okay, cool, I see that. But what about right now? Because I'm in a whole lot of pain right now, or I'm in a whole lot of confusion right now. And I, and I, I would, I, and this is what Peter's talking about. The context of this whole chapter is suffering, is hard, is, is, is they're being persecuted, Right. And, and, and so Peter is talking about the right now, too. And, and what Peter's trying to help us understand is that Jesus is present with you in your suffering, which means this. You are not alone in your suffering. You're not alone in your questioning. You're not alone. You are not alone in your suffering. And not only that, but in the context of what Peter's trying to help us understand, you also have a community around you. It's called a local church. And they've been called to carry this pain with you. They've been called to carry this pain with you. You know, and I I know most people don't want to hear this, right? But your suffering is a gospel presentation in the world in the same way it was for Jesus. The world doesn't know what to do with a person who can find joy and peace in the midst of pain. And we get to pray for God to help us do this. This is why when we go to other countries, when I've gone to other countries, and we see that peace, and we see that joy, and we see that hope, it's like really overwhelming. Like I don't even know what to do with that because it's so in stark contrast to how things are done here in the West. We are called to live like that, to be a gospel presentation to the way we suffer well because that's what Jesus that's what Jesus did. And, and, and what Peter is saying is like, listen, there are no trite words that I can fix the pain for you or make it go away. So what I want to do is I just want to pray for you. That's what he does. He prays for them. He reminds them of these truths and he encourages them to do them well and to not do them alone. And what I couldn't help but think about this week and in the context of this passage is that suffering produced salvation. And I know that's hard. And I know we want these simple solutions, but it's just not real. And I don't want to bring to you a false gospel because the gospel that we have, the good news was it came at a great cost. And that's why you see Jesus in Gethsemane saying, not my will, but yours be done. That your suffering it matters. And so do it well. And so the question is this, is Christ the center of your suffering? Oh, Lord, we we don't know how to suffer well. It's really hard. And I have to admit, I don't know how to do it well. And so many of my friends don't know how to do it well. But we know you are with us. You're not abandoning us. And so would you remind us 
to find our strength in you, that you are establishing us, that you are strengthening us, you are building us up. So take a breath, reflect, and believe that the God of the universe is near to you in your own heart. Until next time.